let's go back to Numbers 11. Let me find where I was. <clears throat> Numbers 11. We're just going to pick up where, right up where I was in the, in the session I did previously. You know, Tony was giving some, some really good practical tips there uh, in connection to going deeper. Because if we want to be people that walk in the manifestation of the power of God, we want to experience more of the power of God in our lives, then a lot of the things Tony was talking about are things that we've got to walk in on a daily basis, walking with God, spending time praying in tongues, walking in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Many people are just waiting for somehow God to just suddenly pour out his power in their lives and it just, you know, them go from doing nothing to suddenly walking in, the, in revival. But God's looking for people who begin to live on a daily basis the things that, he's, the things that he, 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 he's, he's revealed in his word for us to live and walk. And the more we walk in the truths of the word, the more we come up, we go deeper, we come higher. Um, and, and, and we walk in the place where the presence of God can flow through us uh, on different levels. And this is, why, this is why we're stirring up with people at the moment. And we do, we do this online. We're doing 15 minutes of praying in tongues every day as a group. Uh, and, and, and the times don't always work because it's morning times, 9.45 to 10 in the morning. I understand some people work. Maybe if there's enough people that want to do it in the, in the evenings, we'll get an evening one going or whatever, something like that. I know Jackie wants to have... Pray going all, all day, doesn't she? But um, but 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 while we're doing we're doing we do other prayer times, but the 15 minutes of praying in tongues, we just come on, we jet on, we just pray in tongues, no talking and praying a hundred one other things. We pray in tongues for 15 minutes as a group, and this is because and it, it's, if people want to join us, you're welcome to. The Zoom numbers are on the little card at the back there, uh, although the, the times on the card don't have the prayer the, the tongue praying in tongues because we've added that in since we printed that. But it's what are we trying to do? Get people walking consistently. Get, you know, 15, 15 minutes of praying in tongues on a daily basis, I believe, will benefit your life more than three hours once, once a month. People get these bursts of just trying to get all excited and then they don't walk in some things. But coming deeper, coming higher, part, a large amount of this is the consistency. Walking in the Word, coming to the place where, 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 where the Word of God, where our faith is active on a daily basis. Stir up your faith. Begin to, begin to, every time you face a challenge, every time you face an obstacle, every time you face a, 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 a situation where it looks like things will go wrong, you are faced with a choice and a decision how you will respond. Do you respond in fear and then run into prayer? <laughs> oh, God, help, do something. Or do you look at that situation and you, 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 you come to the point where you look at that and think, God will get me through this. I believe God's coming through. I believe God will move. I serve a God who can do anything. See, this is stirring up your faith, beginning to look at situations and begin to expect and believe. I thank you, Father God, that nothing's too big for you. Nothing's impossible. Nothing's hard for you. See, why am I teaching these things about that scripture? Is there anything too hard for him? Because we want this to become part of our daily response to situations. You choose, you choose fear or you choose faith. You choose, you choose unbelief or you choose confidence in God. 
You, we, we choose the flesh or the spirit. But the more we respond out of the spirit and respond according to the word and begin to begin to get, become strong in the word, strong in feeding our spirits and developing our spirits, attending to our spirits, praying in the spirit as a consistent lifestyle, a lot of, a lot of the things that we've been talking about, the miraculous, I believe we'll step a lot more into. See, many times people, they're looking for the isolated, you know, the miracles. They, oh, I wish I could be like Daniel, uh, you know, and, 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 and well, they, they probably don't want to be thrown to a lion's, in, in a lion's den. But, you know, I wish I could have a miracle like that in my life, you know. And when something happens, God just moves like a, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a little bit of an eye opener here. That didn't happen in Daniel's life just because one day God thought, oh, I'll just come through for Daniel. This random person who him and I have never chatted before. He never spends any time in the throne room, <laughs> you know, but, but I'm just going to move in Daniel's life. There wasn't just God deciding to suddenly move in Daniel's life. You want to know why Daniel walked in the miraculous? Because Daniel walked with God every day. And I've said this in some of our, some of our online um, groups that we do. I've said that, see, with Daniel, he experienced that miracle in his life, not because of it, just specifically what he did during the miracle. He experienced that miracle because of how he was walking with God in the lead up to the miracle. Who he was, his walk with God. And because he had that consistent daily walk with God, when a miracle was needed and he, he, he responded right, he could have gone into fear, he could have done all kinds of things, but there's none of that. He didn't respond to any, any of that. Then the power of God and the presence of God manifested in his life in that situation. <clears throat> but many people don't want to walk consistently or they're not really walking consistently and feeding their spirit, growing, walking with God, praying in tongues, and then they just want the miracles just to happen when they need them. You see the difference. You know, um, another another situation is, is during the time of um, uh, Eli and Samuel. Remember Eli, the priest, and his sons Hophni and Phineas, and they were not honoring God. The nation was not honoring God, and um, uh, many people know the passage. It's where they lost the Ark of the Covenant. So we've got Ichabod; the glory has departed. Okay, is what she named her um, son, daughter, son. I think it was. Um, and, and during that time, Israel, you see, Israel went into battle against the Philistines. The Philistines attacked. Israel went into battle, and they lost the battle. And then the Bible says that they, they, they thought to themselves, oh, we didn't take the Ark of the Covenant with us. And they run back to the, to, to, to the temple. They grab the Ark and say, let's take the Ark into battle. Now, you would think from what we know about the Ark, the, the Ark of the Covenant represented what? The presence and the power and the glory of God. God with them. That was very much the manifest presence of God with that nation. But you see, they thought they could, as a nation, not walk with God, not honor God. They, they weren't walking with God. There was no honor for God in the nation. And they thought all we have to do when we got a battle is grab the box and God will come through for us. You know what happened? And, and I don't mean that disrespectfully when I say grab the, grab the box. That was how their mentality was toward God. There was no honor for God in the nation. So 
they, they, did, they just grabbed the box. Oh, God must now manifest because we grabbed the box. God said, no matter if you've got the box with you or not, I ain't going into that battle. And God never went with them. They lost the battle. Philistines captured the Ark of the Covenant. What, what's, what's the problem here? Because it wasn't just about how they were in the battle. It's how they were before the battle. Because many Christians haven't realized this. It's why many Christians are losing battles. There's no walk with God, no consistency, and then they just want the power of God to manifest when they want it to, and then go back along their merry lives. God is looking for people who come deeper and walk in His presence on a daily basis. Come higher. Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference? I, I believe this is so, so important in Scripture. that they, A lot of Christians, they just want to turn it on and off at will when they feel like it, when they want it. And then they wonder why no miracle happens when, when they try to do it like that. The Bible, it wasn't designed to, to happen like that. It's not just turn it on when you need it, forget about it when you don't. It is about walking with God. Moses had, the, had, had the, the, the manifestation of God happen, but it wasn't just because he just switched it on when he felt like it. It's because he walked with God. Joshua, why did the power of God manifest through Joshua? People look at isolated stories. I don't like calling them stories because it sounds fictional. Isolated events in the Bible, isolated accounts, and they try and see, well, how can I get what happened to, to, Dan, to David? David and Goliath happened in my life. Okay. Yes, we could go through the passage of David and Goliath, and we could see how he spoke out, that giant's going down. We could see how he wasn't afraid, and we could look at the, the formula of events. But you have to put that in context of the life of a man who was walking close with God before the event. David was walking with God, and then when he began to speak out, that giant's going down. When he faced the battle, the miraculous manifested, not just because of what he did in the battle, but because of how he was walking with God before the battle. Joshua. God, God, when Joshua took over as the leader of the nation, God said to him, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth but you shall meditate there in day and night. And we could walk and look at, oh, we want the walls of Jericho to fall flat, just like they did for Joshua. But that didn't happen just because of just what they did in the isolated event. It happened through a leader, the whole nation was walking with God, but through a leader who was walking daily with God. This man, Joshua, even when Moses was still the leader, and when Moses would leave the presence of God and go deal with the people, Joshua was dwelling in the presence of God. Are you seeing what I'm showing you? A pattern. Time and time again, these people were walking with God as a consistent lifestyle. Many Christians just want to look at the isolated passage by itself and put, well, if I do this, 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 and this, what they did, I'll get what they got. And then they're finding no power manifests. And yes, the principles in the passage are true, but they are in context of a life of someone walking with God consistently. And that's the bit we've, we often haven't walked in. Yeah. 
People say, oh, you know, you know I, I, heard, I heard a story about John G. Lake about how, how the, you know, when, when the, how many of you heard when the pandemic all hits and they all talked about how John G. Lake, how they, you know, he had them put the, was it the plague on his hand and, and the, the virus died and people, oh, oh that's going to happen for me. And I haven't heard any stories. <laughs> Maybe you have. I haven't heard many Christians. And, 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 but you, people take that out of context because they don't realize the reason that happened in the life of John G. Lake isn't just because of the three things he did that day. It's because this is a man who walked with God. Yeah. Smith Wigglesworth. Yeah. Wasn't, it, it, people say, oh, one miracle's like Smith Wigglesworth walked. Do you have the walk with God he had? On a daily basis. Do you see what I'm saying? This is in the word. People say, I want, I want miracles like what like Peter when he walked down the street and people just got saved or I mean, healed and things happened. Yes, in context of a life of a man who was walking with God on a daily basis. So this is this is why we need to come deeper and we need to come higher. And we need to walk with God. And this this is a time. This is a season. This is a day where the Spirit of the Lord is calling His people to, to begin to arise and to begin to awaken and to begin to start to walk in the consistency of the things of the Word of God on a daily basis and to begin to stir up their walk with God, stir up their time and their walk in the presence of God because this is a day when God wants to manifest and move in these areas. But it's up to us to awaken. It's up to us to arise. It's up to us to begin to respond. And it's, begin, it's up to us to begin to hear what the Spirit of God is saying and call, that call in the heart to rise up to a new level and to come into a new place, to walk out from, from being trapped in the carnal realm and to walk in the heavenly places. Because in that place, as we arise and as we come higher, we will find the manifestation of the Spirit of God and the manifestation of the glory of God on a new level, beyond what we've ever imagined, beyond what we've ever walked in, beyond what we've even seen through human history. We will enter into a new day and a new age and a new walk in the glory and the presence of God as the body of Christ on this earth. Amen? <laughs> I believe that. I believe that. I believe that. I believe that. I, I, in, in my heart, and I know other people, we, 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 there, 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 there's some things that we, we haven't tapped into yet as the body of Christ. There's some things with the glory of God. There are things that God, that, that, that they've always, they, they've all, it's always been possible for us, for the body of Christ to walk in a lot of these things. But, 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 but many of them we have not tapped into, and God, God has always ordained and, and spoken out and known that there will be a day right at the end of the age when, the, when the, His church, the body of Christ, will step into the fullness of what's possible. Yes. Yeah, come on. <laughs> and this, this is where, and it's not just going to happen because one day God suddenly wakes up and says, oh, it's time for me to just do it all, and we're going to manifest my glory in a new level with the people who are not even walking close with God. It's going to happen because we respond and we we begin to hear and we begin to come up higher we begin to come deeper we begin to take steps into more of what god has for us and you take one step and you come high and you come and take another step and you come high and you take another step and you come higher and you come up and up and up and you begin to notice that the presence of god and the power of god and the, the things of god and the glory of god begin to manifest through you on a daily basis more consistently amen
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's, let's look here, Numbers 11. I don't know about you, but that excites me. That excites me. And this is our day. This is our time. See, see many, many, people, many people are only going to get excited about revival when revival happens. And they're only going to say, oh, yes, it's the day because it's happening. <clears throat> but like I've said, God's looking for the ones who begin to, to, to get excited about it beforehand and begin to, yeah. but, but, but don't quit. Don't, we, don't, we, we don't back down. This isn't about I'm going to get excited for three weeks and then go, oh, it hasn't happened yet. Let's go back to our normal lives. I said, I'm committed to this. We're, we're, we're going in this direction. And like I said, I ain't settling until we see this nation ablaze with revival in every village, every city, every town. The glory of God manifesting. Amen? It's not about an individual. It's not about, I don't, I don't really care if the miracles happen through me or, or through someone else. I really, it really doesn't bother me. It's not about who they happen through. It's about the body of Christ. It's about us as believers needing to starting to rise up and step in and, 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 and beginning to experience more. Let's get, <laughs> let's get back to Numbers 11. I will get there. Let's, uh, so what's happening here in Numbers 11? Do, do we serve a God who can do anything? <laughs> I do. I don't know about you, but I do. Do we serve the same God? <laughs> we, yeah. I, I remember, I'm going to get to Numbers 11. I remember years ago, I remember years ago, I was preaching in a church. This, I, I must have been, I was fresh out of Bible school. I mean, this is, I was, I was as fresh as they come out of Bible school. I must have been still 20, 21. And I was preaching in a church. And uh, I, I had been invited to that church by someone else who attended the church. So I didn't know the leaders of the church at all. They said, they, they just, the leader's like, yeah, we'll have him. He's a friend of yours. Come have him preach. Young, inexperienced preacher. And, um, no, I, I didn't know what to preach. I didn't even know what the church was like I was going to. And so I, I just thought, I'm going to preach on God's a good God. I thought, that's simple. Everyone's going to love that message. <laughs> oh, I was still had a lot to learn at that stage. No, not everyone wants to hear that message. I don't know what they want to preach. God's a bad God. <laughs> but anyway, and uh, <clears throat> so I preach God's a good God. Now, I, I, I have preached in some all kinds of environments since then. I have preached in the churches where I really thought they were going to stone me afterwards. I've been there. I've been hauled, I've been hauled in front of the Sanhedrin like Paul was. You know, major denominational church council. I was like, eight, again, 21, 22. The whole group of, you know, I think they must have all been about 60. And I'm like 21. And they're interrogating me over what I'm preaching. I've been there, Okay. And I really, I, 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 fortunately, I haven't been stoned out back yet, but I thought it was going to be. But I, I preached on God's a good God. And um, afterwards, the, the, the person running the church, I, I didn't realize it while I was preaching, but they were obviously fuming with anger. I, and came running up to me afterwards and going, how dare you preach that in my church? That's, that's exactly what the leader of the church said to me. How dare you preach that in my church? Well, there's, part, there's the problem. It ain't your church. You are a, you are a steward, an under-shepherd of the shepherd, and you have a commission to do what the shepherd tells you to do, not your own thing. The, the, the centurion said to Jesus, I'm a man under authority and I have men under me. Many people, many people running churches think they are the authority and everyone's got to follow them. No, you are accountable under God's authority. To do what he says, you want to be under his authority first. That's another point anyway. I don't want to lecture on that for too long. But <laughs> it's not just our little kingdoms. 
But anyway, this man came up to me afterwards. He, he, he had been sitting at the back, and he had a tear in his eye. And, 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 uh, and he, he said, I've been in church all my life. Now, again, I was, 20, I was a fresh preacher. I was 21, 20, you know, fresh out of Bible school. I've just come back after graduating Bible school. And he said to me this. He, he said, he, he said I've, I've been in church all my life, and I've never heard that. He was over double my age. He was much He's probably more the age I am now, <laughs> but maybe even a bit older. But so, so you know, that was humbling. I was like, I, I couldn't understand how someone's never heard this. They've been in church all their life. And then he said this. He said to me, he said, if your God is the same as my God, then your version of him is much better. I've never forgotten that statement. Never, ever forgotten. If your God is the same as my God, then your version of him is much better. And, and, and I was blessed, I, I, you know, and, and I showed him some things in the Word, and he was really touched by that. But that statement, I, I could never get rid of it. That, all these years, I've never forgotten that statement. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I've thought to myself, so often, we're not supposed to all have our own versions of God. We're not supposed to all have our own independent ideas and versions and opinions. We, there's the true God, and then there's all the lies. He is who he is. So I, I, I got off on that track just to say, you know, is my God the same as your God? I, I serve a God who can do anything. Do you? I serve a God who can do anything. I serve a God who's got no limitations. He's, 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 you can't even measure his size. And, and our expectation of what he can do needs to, needs to increase, needs to go through the roof. Literally, just massively increase. But how do you do this? You need to start meditating on some of these things. Some of the things I'm teaching on when we teach on the miraculous need to go home and you need to spend time meditating on them and you need to spend time on your prayer. Take some of the things I talk about and begin to say, Father God, I thank you. You, are, you can do anything. Yeah. Thank you that you, there is literally nothing you cannot do. There is literally nothing that's impossible. So take some time to speak that out of your mouth in your own prayer time to God and speak it out. And when you face a challenging situation, you look at that and say, I really do believe God is the same as I see in the Bible. I believe that the same God who split the Red Sea, the same God who turned water into wine, you, this is, this is what you need to release out of your mouth because this stirs you up. When you're facing lack and you open the cupboards and there's nothing and you go, I don't know where we, how we're going to pay the energy bills. You begin to say to yourself, I believe in a God who can do anything. I believe in a God who is able to provide. And yes, he can provide by increasing my salary. Yes, he can provide by, by, by giving me another job. But he can also provide by multiplying. He can provide, begin to meditate and begin to thank God. You can do anything. However you do it, one thing I'm certain of, I will not lack because my God will come through for me. <laughs> do we believe that? Now, let's look at Moses here. Let's finally get back to Numbers 11. So, so uh, the, the children of Israel have been saying, oh, we want meat. Oh, we want meat. Whole nation. Like I said, we already see 600,000 men on foot. What about the woman? What about the, the children? What about the newborns? What about the, the, the whole lot? Are you talking over a million, two million people? Okay? This isn't just feeding... A family. Now, if God can do this, and how, remember, what did we say in the last session? How quickly did this happen? This is, a, this is a really big, big miracle. This must have taken God a year to get ready for. Because God had to go and breed all the cattle, didn't he? And, he, and, and he's going to get all the meat ready. 
God had to really work this preparation up for this miracle. So he said to Moses, he says, I'll come back in a year once I've, once I've gathered enough food together, and then I'll do this apparently miracle of food. But, you know, now how, how long did we see? What did God say? Tomorrow you'll have meat. How many of them? Three of them? But Moses and his, and, and his house are all going to have meat while the rest of them are starving? No, the whole nation. The whole nation. Now, let's, let's go back to what Moses was saying, because this is what we, we ended off the last session. I want to read this. Verse 21. Then Moses, whom, uh, then, and Moses said, The people whom I am among are 600,000 men on foot. Yet you have said, I will give them meat that they may eat for a whole month. Shall flocks or herds and herds be slaughtered for them? to provide enough for them? Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to provide enough for them? What's going on here? What's Moses saying? What's going on in Moses' mind? Thank you. Moses looks at what is possible naturally. And his mind begins to try to compare what he sees in the natural to what God is saying. This is where many Christians are losing it. My mind cannot see how what God said can happen. This is where many Christians are losing it. That's what Moses is doing here, isn't it? He's looking at what he can see in the natural can happen. Then he's trying to figure out how to make it happen. How can, how can, we, get, how can we make the word of God come to pass? How, did, can we gather all the fish? Is that what God asked him to do? Is that what God ta- said was going to happen? No. God said, I'll do it. I'll do it. What, what, what should be the response? Okay, Lord. This, now, this is a man who has split a Red Sea. Okay? Yeah, I know God did it, but, 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 but he was the vessel, yes? Yeah. This is a man who's seen all the plagues in Egypt. And even he's choking here. Now, that's not an excuse for you to choke. That's not, oh, well, Moses choked after all he'd seen, so yeah, I'm going to choke too. No, no, let's learn. See, it doesn't matter how much you've walked with God in the past. It doesn't matter how, what you've seen in the past. You can still step back into the natural today and let your natural mind choke you when, it, when, when God says some things. You've got to maintain that place where you walk in the place where when God begins to say some things, you, what should our response when God says, says, I'll do it? Okay, Lord, you'll do it. I believe that. Now, does he have to say that verbally or what about when he says it in his word? Is, is his written word enough? Yes. Jesus seemed to think so. He said, oh, no, no, it's not, you know, the written word of God. How many times did Jesus say, it is written? He took the written word of God and he used that in the circumstance he was facing. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. Amen? And, and but the written word of God was enough for Jesus. It's enough for me. But you see, your mind can become the stumbling block. You're thinking. We, we, look, we look at what, what I think 
it looks like can happen in the natural. And we begin to evaluate about whether it looks like God's word can happen. Now, I'm going to give, I'm going to give you some, some, some real revelation here. This one's going to change your life. Biggest revelation you've ever had in your life. When God speaks something, he doesn't check the natural to see whether it's possible. God doesn't check the natural first and think, oh, let me, I better make sure it can happen before I make a promise. <laughs> when God speaks it out, he commits the power that's necessary to bring it to pass, whether it's possible in the natural or not. If you can get a start getting a hold of that, you can start you can start expanding your thinking for the miraculous. When God said to Mary, "You're going to have a baby," God had not pre-checked to check whether she was pregnant first, and then, "Oh, I'm just going to tell everyone she's going to have a baby." But we're we're I'm God, angels. She's already pregnant. Nobody knows that. But I'm going to promise a child. No, she hadn't even been with a man yet. Did God check whether it could happen? Did he make sure all the natural laws were going to be possible? When, when Jesus said to Peter, come, come walk on the water, had, was, had Jesus pre-checked the route the night before to see whether it was possible on that particular stretch to walk on the water? No, no, it didn't make, made no difference. You know what? You know, the only thing that was needed, God's word, yeah. what God said. Why? Because contained within God's word is the power to perform and the power to do and the power to bring to pass. And if necessary, to change and adjust things in the natural to conform to his word. If, if it has to be, things will change. But God doesn't check the natural. We check the natural, and, and this is where we stumble. This is why many people, we hear testimonies about other people who've, 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 who've experienced the miraculous. Oh, I wish that would happen to me. But sometimes we've got to realize some, some of them had to, had, to, had to look in the face of impossible situations and say, Father God, I believe what you said, not what the natural says. I don't care how big the giant is. I don't care how big the lack is. I'm not afraid because I believe what my God said. The Lord said, I am your shepherd. I, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So I believe I will not want. I will not be in want. Oh, you're one of those extreme preachers, aren't you? That, that's a little bit unrealistic. Yeah, there's your problem. There's your mind kicking in again. You have no comprehension that God can actually do it. Oh, you're your brother, brother. We live in the natural world, you know. Oh, yes, we do. But you've become so naturally stuck that we can't, we don't, we, we, we can't. So many Christians are so stuck in the natural that they cannot comprehend God's word happening in their life unless everything in the natural looks like it can happen. And if it doesn't look like it can happen in the natural, then we go, oh, God's not doing it. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Why, why is your word not coming to pass? It's faithless. This is, the, this, is, this is the reality of what Christianity has become. 
What happened to the people who said, God, you'll do it, regardless of whether it looks in the natural? I believe you can do it. See, Moses, even Moses, you know, he chokes. He tries to figure it out all out in the natural. How many believe God can do way beyond the natural? God's word created the natural world. Everything in this natural world is governed by his word. His word has the power to change the natural. Why do you think he tells us to get his word in our mouth? He said, my word will not return to me void. It shall accomplish that which I sent it to perform. As long as everything in the natural looks like. No, he didn't say that. There's no added note on the bottom. <laughs> Do we really believe God's word will perform what he said? Well, what if everything in the natural looks opposite? So what, yeah, so what? That's it. This is, we've got to start to live this. We've got to start to think this. We've got to start to look at circumstances and say, circumstance, you're changing. Because my God has said he will provide. And he will come through for me. How? Well, really doesn't matter how. He'll figure it out. But Moses tries to figure it all out. Tries to figure, and what, what, is, what does God say to Moses? Verse 23, then the Lord said to Moses, has the Lord's arm been shortened? In other words, is my power limited? Limited to what? What you, what you expect? Well, part, partly in, this, in the context of what's just said, is my power limited to the natural? Because that's what Moses is focusing on. No, it wasn't. Now, here, here, the, the, we're talking about the power of God and the miraculous. What happened? Did God feed them for, for, for a month? Did, meat ha did God find enough meat? Did he do it? Yes, he did. Did Moses have to scramble around and make it all happen himself? No, he didn't. God did it. And this is what God says, has the Lord's arm been shortened? Now you shall see whether I, what I say will happen to you or not. We need to begin to believe, like I just said, God's word does not return to him void or empty, void of result. I believe in a God whose word comes to pass. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man should, that he should repent. Has he not said it and shall he not do it? Oh, get excited as you want to. Have a, jump up and down and scream. I, I'm not going to stop you. You want to get excited about the Word of God? You get excited about the Word of God. Because, oh, it's, it's going to be lots of emotion. I'm like, hey, you know, joy. Let's have some emotion. <laughs> I don't care. God's not, again, God's not afraid of a bit of emotion. God is not a Vulcan. Star Trek, you know? Okay. <laughs> How many of you remember the Vulcans? The, Vulc the Vulcans were based upon an, a Greek philosophy called the Stoics, yes. Yes. who believed that emotion was 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 the 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 the, the source of all evil, basically. Stoic Stoicism. Yes. So they, they developed the, the the fictional character for, but 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 God's not a Stoic. He's got some emotion. He's got some feelings. It doesn't matter if we have a bit of emotion and feelings. God doesn't have a problem if you get excited about some things. In fact, he wants us to get excited about some things. Amen? So I think some people think that, 
that the presence of God is almost like, you know, some kind of really, I don't know how to describe this without offending anyone. I'm going to offend someone. Some kind of really stuck up family where no one's allowed any emotion in the house. You know, and everything's formal. And the kids come before the parent. Oh, father, father. Can, can I please come and sit in your study? I mean, you know, formal families like that. With the family of God, sometimes he just wants you to run in and give him a hug. Yes, of course, we honor him. Yes, of course, we reverence him. But it's not all formal and emotionless. Some people are afraid of a bit of emotions in church. Sometimes we need to start getting excited. We need to praise and we need to get excited. We need to be willing to, to, to praise the Lord and exalt God and begin to jump up and down and begin to praise. Spin around in a circle like David did if, he, if, if, he, if need be. I'm not the most emotional person, but if I've got to do that, I'm going to do that. Amen? Let's try and get back to topic. <laughs> so was God's, God's, God's power limited? Let's, let's look at some things. Does, did, did, does God, when God makes a promise, He already has in mind how He's going to do it. He knows exactly what He's going to do. He's got it planned out. He's got, when God begins to speak it out, he, 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 he doesn't get surprised when it doesn't look in the natural like it can happen. He doesn't look and go, oh man, I didn't, I didn't take the, the recession into account. <laughs> How many of you know, when, when Elijah spoke, there's not going to be any rain in the land, and I believe he did that by the word of the Lord. I believe God led him to do it. When he, when he, when he did that, here's the headline. Elijah had to live through that too. Yes. <laughs> it's all good and well for Elijah. Oh, there's not going to be any rain on the land. And then suddenly Elijah was like, oh, I forgot. I got, that includes me. I'm in the land too. <laughs> but did God have a plan to take care of Elijah through that? Yeah, he led him to the brook, then to the widow woman, and, and the manifestation of the power of God got him through. So God's, God, God knows, God, God's got it in mind. When he begins to speak some things out, he's got the resources available. But we get stuck, we get trapped in the natural, and we, we, it causes us to buckle. Because our minds cannot figure out how the, the word's going to come to pass. God didn't say it's your job to figure out how the word's going to come to pass. God said it's your job to believe it. And say, Father God, I take you at your word. And your mind goes, I don't know how it's going to come to pass. Say, shut up, mind. I don't really care how. That's God's business. My job's to believe it and begin to thank you, Father God. You are coming through for me. You'll do whatever's necessary. Thank you, Lord. If it means the manifestation of the miraculous, whatever it is, you will come through for me. But see, people, people say, yes, I know the Lord's my provider, but you know, I've only got this much in my salary. What are you looking at again? Yeah, God can provide beyond your salary. There's all kinds of things he can do. He hasn't, he hasn't lost the recipe for manna, by the way. He can make it again if he has to. He hasn't forgotten how to multiply. He hasn't forgotten. People say, oh, yes, you're talking really extreme stuff. I'm talking extreme stuff because I believe my God is the same God in the Bible. I believe he is exactly the same God. And he will do exactly the same things. Bigger if we begin to believe and expect it. God doesn't, God doesn't have to withdraw his promises after speaking them. Because suddenly the natural realm says it can't happen. 
Everything changed in the natural, and then God says, oh, 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 angel Michael and Gabriel, go grab my word, go bring it back. I said some things I shouldn't have said. (laughs) God is very purposeful with what he says. When he speaks it, that's it. He's committed to it 100%, and he will never deviate or change off it. That's how powerful his word is. Let's go to one more. Let's go to John. Is God limited in how he can provide? Are there limitations in what he can do? Do we have to fear what's happening in the world? Ah, you, you, you better believe it. You know, oh my word. We, Christians, this is why I'm saying to people, this it is time. We start to, we, we've got to get the word functioning in our lives. I don't, I'm not a prophet of doom or gloom, you know, whatever, but I'm personally, do not really think a lot of things are going to get a lot better in the world. Over time, there's going to be a distinction between light and darkness. You want to be in the right place. You want to be walking in the light because that's where, that's where God's going to be moving when the world is in complete hopelessness. You think the world's seen hopelessness before. You wait and see what's going to come. The Bible showed us things are coming. But Christians are afraid. Christians, oh, no, we might be in the end times. The Bible doesn't say get afraid when you're in the end times. The Bible says encourage one another. When you see these things happening, look up. Your redemption draws nigh. But it, it causes fear in the Christians who are not walking with their God because they, they think they're going to go down with the darkness going on in the world around them. This is a time and a generation where to walk with God closer. Every one of us. Get the word functioning in our lives. Because when everything's going crazy in the world and they're going down and their economy is burning, falling apart, and they don't know where they're going to pay their energy bills, if we are walking with our God, God will be taking care of us. With Abraham, remember, God, 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 God led Abraham. He said, Genesis 12, go to the land. that I'm gonna, He led him to a land, didn't he? So Abraham, he says, come out from your father's house. Go to the land that I'll show you. Genesis 1, 2 and, 12, verse 1, 2, and 3. Verse 4, Abraham leaves. He goes to the land. Now, it's a journey of, it's quite a few hundred, possibly as much as a thousand miles from where he went. Because where he went was around Babylon to the land. In fact, the children of Israel ended up all the way back in Babylon years later. It wasn't called Babylon at that time, but it was the same environment, same place. So for us, it's about three or four verses of the Bible. For Abraham, this is a journey of hundreds of miles. And he didn't have a car or anything. This is on foot with, it, with you know, everything like that. So he finally he gets there. Verse 4, he leaves his father's house. I think it's about verse 7 or 8. He gets to the land, and God said, this is the land. Yeah, this is the land where I told you about. And you know what happens next? Do, do you want to see what happens next? Go to Genesis 12. I'll get to Mark 6. Genesis 12. Everyone in Genesis 12? So verse 1, 2, and 3, God, God says, go to the land. Verse 4, Genesis 12, 4, Abraham departs, or Abram, I'm saying what his name was eventually changed to, goes to the land, 
And then it's verse, um, verse 7. Verse 6, it, it tells us he gets, verse 5 and 6, he gets to Canaan. And then verse 7 says, Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your descendants, I'll give this land. So God's now, he's arrived, and God said, This is it. This is the land I told you about. Now let me ask you, where had God told Abraham to go? God told him, go to the land. That's the land. Is that the last instruction Abraham had? From God. And then verse 7, God says, yeah, you're in the land. This is the land. So Abraham, he, he moves around. Verse 8, he moves, he's doing little moves, Bethel and, and I. And he goes south. God's basically told him to travel around the land. And that's what he's doing, but he's in the land. Now verse 10. What happens in verse 10? Now there was a famine. Where? Which land? The land God had told him to be in. Where he's supposed to be. That is exactly where God told him to go. Now, I don't know about you, but I do not see an instruction in there from God saying, Oh, I led you to the land a little bit earlier. I tell you what, Abraham, you need to go to Egypt for a few years. I don't see that instruction. Do you see it? The, he's in the land that God has told him to be in, and there's a famine there. That, that kind of puts a stop to all this popular belief these days where God will always lead you to the place where all kinds of things are happening. He leads him straight into a famine. <laughs> But not because he, 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 he didn't love him. Not because he wanted him to suffer. He wanted him to trust him. Yeah. Do you know that God led the children of Israel into a trap? When they came out of Egypt, how did they end up at the Red Sea? God led them there. They were following the pillar. And, and they get to the Red Sea, they're trapped. And behind them, Pharaoh. And people say, yes, because the Lord wanted them to suffer. No, you, you, you're creating the wrong conclusion. Yes, God led them into that trap, but not because God wanted them to suffer there and all die, but God wanted them to trust him so that his power would move. He, he, and from God's point of view, it never was a trap. He already knew he was taking them through the Red Sea. But in the natural, it looked like a trap to them. And they got into fear. From God's point of view, there never was even a chance that things were going to go wrong. God was going to manifest his power to, to create a way. And the same thing happens here. He, he said, God leads him to a land where there's a famine. What does Abraham do? Verse 10, now there was a famine in the land, and Abraham went down to Egypt. For the famine was severe. Where's the instruction from God? Where did God say, leave the land now? I know I told you to go to that land, but I forgot there was a famine there. So let's lead you back out of the land again. Is God that confused? God leads him straight into a land where there's a famine. 
Abraham looks at the natural, he makes the decision to go to Egypt, to leave the place God has led him. Things almost go completely wrong for him in Egypt. And you know what happens? Just a few verses later, in, in uh, chapter 13, let me try and find the verse. Oh, here it is. Chapter 13, verse 2. Now he leaves Egypt. In chapter 13, verse 1, he comes out of Egypt. Verse 3, and he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel, notice this phrase, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning. He goes full circle. He ends up back where God had put him in the first place. He had left that place because he was looking at the natural. Many, I won't read it all now, but you can read this in your own time. I think it's Genesis 26. But many years later, Isaac is in the exact same situation. There's another famine. Now, I, I personally believe Abraham learned from his mistake. He's, he's learning. He's new in the things of God. And I believe he raised his son Isaac. Don't just do things yourself. I, I'm pretty sure Abraham told him this story. You know, that's what you do. When you've got kids, you're raising kids, you told them of different life experiences. I'm pretty sure Abraham told Isaac about what happened here, how he left the land and he should never have done it. So Isaac faces a famine. It's a different famine. And you know what happens? God, this time, God says to Isaac, do not go to Egypt. Stay in the land and I will bless you. And Isaac obeys God. He stays where the famine is. You know what happens? The Bible says Isaac sowed in the land and reaped a hundredfold. Now, again, there's, there's, people take the isolated event. Oh, Isaac sowed and reaped a hundredfold. Yes, after being where God told him to be, after obeying God, after not just looking at the natural and not being led by the natural, there's more to it, yes? But what happens? God comes through. What am I trying to say here in this session? It's not just all about what the natural says. It doesn't matter if there's a famine in the land. It doesn't matter if, like Elijah, you've proclaimed drought <laughs> over the whole land and you've got to live through it too. Every time, what do we see? God comes through for them. Now, I know it's, I know it's, it's getting late, but do you mind quickly if we look at Mark 6? And then I'll close. I did want to get there because I want you. I want you to see the same thing. What it, what's keeping a lot of people out of the miraculous? What's keeping a lot of people out of the place where they're not experiencing and actually stepping in to 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 experiencing God's provision? They keep looking at the natural. Their natural mind is choking them. They're trying to figure out with their natural mind how what God has said can happen. And then the moment it doesn't look like it, and the moment there's famine, and they think, well, I know God said it, but you don't understand there's famine in the land. They start making decisions themselves based upon the famine, rather than hearing what God is saying. Mark chapter 6, verse, uh, where should we start? Verse 31 well, verse 31, Jesus has just taken his, his disciples aside to a desert, desert, deserted place. 
Verse 33, the multitudes follow him. They come after him. Uh, and verse 34, Jesus sees the multitude and he, and he begins to teach them. He has compassion on them. He begins to teach them, yeah? Verse 35, Mark 6, verse 35. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and already the hour is late. Send them away. Why? Why send them away? Because basically that they may go to the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread for they have nothing to eat. See, disciples have realized they've noticed the need. They can see there's a need. The people are hungry. This is a deserted place. No food here. So they're thinking naturally. And, they, and they, you know, send the people away. It's time to close the meeting. <laughs> Probably almost my time to close the meeting. But that's what they're saying to Jesus. But they say to Jesus, send them away. Now, it, it's not in the nature of the shepherd to send the, the sheep away when the sheep are in need. The disciples could see the need. They weren't willing to do anything about it. Okay, that's another thought. But they, they, they said, send them away. Because they, 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 they need food. Verse 37. But he answered, Jesus answered and said to them. What did Jesus say to them? That's quite a statement. You do it. You, fix, you sort this out. Why would Jesus even tell them that? If, if Jesus, now, I believe Jesus knew his disciples well enough to know they were going to choke. But I don't, I don't believe he, he, he messes around with words. I believe Jesus believed that if they, if they had enough confidence in God and if they had learned from his ministry, they could have done something about that. But he also knew they hadn't learned yet. They'd seen him walking in the miraculous. They just didn't believe they could step into some things yet. Now, I preached about this last time. God, he was training them. By the time you get to the book of Acts, you've got a group of people who believe they can step into the miraculous. Yeah. He's trained them through years of this kind of thing. Believe God, you do something about that. Yeah. It's part of their training going on here. But Jesus believed they could do something about that. But they choked. What happens? They said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? Yeah, I said that in a whingy, whiny tone. What, what, what are they doing? They're trying to figure out in the natural how we can make this happen. God, get, They've got an instruction from the Lord. You do something about it. What happens when God says, do something? Oh, but Lord, I just don't see how I can do it. Now you're choking right there. God says, do it. You say, Father God, I thank you. You give me the ability to do it. I think your power moves and I believe and I expect you it'll happen. Because I believe you. If God says, do it, we're going to do it. Yeah. Oh, but, but, but we don't have the resources. Doesn't matter if we don't have the resources. I've got a big enough God and he's got the resources. Yeah. When I stepped out to start these meetings, it's just a matter of people say, who backs you? No one. Yeah. In the sense of finances. You know, do you have some big ministry? No, no. We just stepped out. We're doing it. Yeah. God said, do it. We're doing it. Amen? It's not, a, it's, not, it's, not, it's not a matter of how can I figure out how I can make it happen. A lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of Christians are trying to figure out how they can make the Word of God come to pass in the natural, in their own strength. 
by their own ability, and that's why they're never stepping beyond into the miraculous. God's looking for people who say, Father God, you're, you're all I got. I'm trusting you. You're all I got. And I believe you'll, I believe you'll, you'll, you'll bring your word to pass. Stop just relying on the natural to figure it out. Amen? I even, la- I even laugh. I said to God, I said, you know what, God? If I was you, I, this, this, this is me, my, my discussion with God. I said, God, if I was you, I'm the last person I would have chosen to do this job. <laughs> I wouldn't have chosen me. I feel sorry for you. <laughs> okay? But I will believe you. You said do it, we'll do it. You gave the instruction, it's going to happen. God will provide. God will, and God can do this for you too. God's looking for people who just take him at his word and, and begin to say, I don't have to try to figure it out. We have trained the church so much in recent years to just try and look at the natural all the time and to figure out how it can all happen in the natural and how my natural gifting and my natural ability can do it at all and rely on my personality. Let's do a personality test and rely on what I can do and all my strengths. I didn't intend to say any of that. But we've got to get beyond just focusing all on the natural. People say, oh, well, God will use you where your gifts and your talents are. Really? Then why didn't he put the tax collector, Matthew, in charge of running the finances? Why did he put a thief in, front, in, in charge of running the finances? <laughs> why, did, why, why didn't he send Paul, the, the most educated Pharisee, to go and reach the Jews? Why did he take the most educated in Judaism and the most thoroughly intellectually understanding of the Old Testament, why didn't he go and send him to the Gentiles and send Peter, the fisherman, to the Jews? (laughs) I'm like, God, do you really know what you're doing? (laughs) Because it's not all about just what you can do in the natural. It's about the fact that God, I believe, you'll bring it to pass. And there's, there's... Better people, better equipped, better resources. But you know what? We're just going to trust God and God's going to do it. Amen? Hallelujah. So bless you all. Thank you all. I trust you got something out of today. Now, I haven't got, I didn't get the leaflet printed in time with the dates, but let me just, let me just help you know how these work. Um, these Saturday mornings here at Kent Street are on the second Saturday of every month. Yeah. So these are once a month. These are once a month here, on not, not every second Saturday, sorry, on the second Saturday of each month. So, each, so, so there's four weeks in a month. So the second Saturday of every month is this. So that, that schedule keeps going. And we, we usually book those good few months ahead of time with the leaders here. And then the Friday nights are now on the fourth Friday of every month. But those are not here. Those are at St. Paul's. Yeah. If anyone's uncertain about that and you want to just message us and just get the clarity, we can send you the exact dates. But I've set it up so we've got it on a regular schedule. And I'm trying to do that like the Southport ones we've got going on the first Saturday of every month. Now, so they're consistent. But um, So our next meeting will be in two weeks' time at St. Paul's. Yeah? And th- th- that's on a Friday night at 7 p.m. So that's an evening meeting. We do the worship and we... Have more, more of a flow of the Spirit. Yeah. Does it, I hope that's not too confusing. Does that make sense? Okay. Bless you all. It's good to see you all.
There's information at the back there on, on different things.